Let us hear your word today, Lord, and let us be strengthened by it. In Jesus' name. Just sitting back there thinking about how miraculous God is. Sometimes he does miraculous things and we thank him, but we don't give him the recognition for the power of how faithful he is and how miraculous he is. And I just want to say to you, I thank you for your prayers this week. Um, I, I, I think this is a miracle. You know, a cherry's head was split from the corner of her eye up here all the way down to the nap of her neck. And she doesn't have any brain damage. How is that? How is that? How is it that it's one hair from her eye but missed it? You know, so in God's dealing with us, he's always faithful. And it's a miracle uh, what has happened. And she's out of the serious things. Maybe they're going to operate on her neck. I don't know. But, you know, and the next day it was Hannah. And she has a, a, had a very serious infection that if she hadn't gone that day, no telling what would have happened. And it's really a, so wonderful to see the miraculous hand of God, even in the trial and the temptation. And she was in bed, deathly sick for days because uh, her friend is in jail. And so for some reason, he was able to get the money to call her because he was worried. And he's the one from jail that got the ambulance there that probably protected her. You know, you don't understand these things, but it's miraculous when God does it. And then you try to figure out how it worked, and you only know that God's hand was in it. And I just want to thank you so much for praying. And I want to I want to give God the glory and all the miraculous things that he has done. And today I want to talk about, and it comes out of all this week of anxiety, what, you know, what is our expectation? Do you ever understand that when you get in a crisis, what is our expectation of a crisis or some problem or difficulty? And I was just calling out to God and just so stressful. And I had so many expectations for him, <coughs> excuse me, and to what he would do with all of this crisis. And finally, when I ran out of all my expectations and I just sat there and wept, I heard the still small voice of the Lord say, trust me. He didn't have to give me a whole sermon. He just two words. He said, trust me. And I said, okay, God, I will do that. And uh, I think sometimes we miss the easiest thing to do in our crisis, which is to trust God. And so I'm thankful today that I can say it here today that they're through that crisis. And I pray that God will work in their lives. And please keep them in your prayers. I thought maybe Julie would tell you about that because everything was so severe at the moment. But, you know, God brings us through those trials and temptations, and he speaks his peace to us. So today I want to talk about, well, what is God's expectation? You know, I had all these expectations, and sometimes we pray our expectations on God, and God just wants us to stand still and believe in him and trust him. And so that's where, where I was this week. And it, so the message came out of that. What is God's expectation 
of me? What is God's expectation of us as, as a child of the Most High God? And so I, I believe that, you know, uh, sometimes we expect God for healing. We expect God for financial help. We expect him any little thing that comes up. We have great expectations that he will be there for us. And then we need to learn to trust him that those expectations are true. But in all of this, what does God expect of us? And I thought a lot about that. And I've learned that our expectations can sometimes control our attitude. That when we have an expectation that is not met, how do we respond to that? Because always our expectations are not God's. God is doing a work. He has a purpose. He has a plan. We're going to talk about that he has an earnest expectation for his people. Over and over and over scripture, he says, I have an earnest expectation. An earnest expectation is something different than just wanting something. An earnest expectation is with purpose, that we desire something with purpose. And God's uh, earnest expectation to his people is that we will have a purpose, a spiritual purpose. And if there is ever a day that we need to have a spiritual purpose, it's this very hour because we are catapulting toward the end. We're catapulting, catapulting toward what God is going to do in this hour. And is it all going to be bed and roses before he comes? I don't know, but I know that he's going to protect us, that he's going to feed us and clothe us and keep us like he did them in the wilderness. But, you know, they weren't happy in the wilderness. And God was taking care of them. He was feeding them. And finally they said, we're tired of this manna. Send me some meat. You know, and that's just the way that we are. God is protecting us. He has an earnest expectation for us. And he's ministering to us his way, his purpose, his plan with earnestness, with great care. Not just say, oh, I care. No, no. He's given his son to, to bring salvation to us. That's what an earnest expectation is. It's a sacrifice of oneself unto God. So I've learned that out of our expectations, sometimes it controls our attitudes, it controls our desires, you know, and even it gives us goals in life that's not the goals that God has for us. And we need to, we need to think about this today. As we see the signs of corruption and as we see the evilness of the day, we need to think, what is God's expectation in all of this? What is he doing? What is the earnest in his heart concerning the people of God today and the world as the way the world is? So we have a clue, church. It's in Acts 13.22. It says, this is where the Lord speaks about David. And the scripture says, uh, it repeats God, and it says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Today, God is calling for the will of his people. One of the greatest things that he ever gave us was our free will. They didn't really have a free will in the wilderness. They didn't really have a free will in the Old Testament because God gave them instructions and he he commanded things to them, and when they made a mistake, sometimes it was death. But, you know, he gave to us a free will. That is what an earnest expectation is. He let his son die for us, and then he said, now you can have a free will. You can serve him, 
or not serve him. I will not force you to serve him. It is our free will to do that. So let us think about that today. He says, I found David, a son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which will fulfill all my will. God is looking for our will today. What is it that we will in our lives? And God is looking for that. And so uh, as God has an expectation in his heart that we will will ourselves unto him and not unto the things of this world. Our God has great expectations for his people. And that's why he gave us a free will, because he wanted us to come to him of freedom. And, And church, I know that you're all born again here and I know that you know what a free will is and I know when you transgress against the free the will that God has given you that you do things that we shouldn't do and we know we shouldn't do them but somehow we 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 let that 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 unction of the Holy Spirit pass over and go ahead and do it and then afterward we have regret and afterward we have to repent and afterward we have to admit that we were wrong you know and it's hard for humans to admit that they're wrong So I tell you something, God is after us. He's after us. He has an expectation for his people. And this, if there was ever an hour that we find it, it's this hour. Because this is the hour of corruption and evil upon our land. And we, you know, it is going to be a part of our life to go overcome those things. We have to be an overcomer. So... The first expectation that God desires of us when we are called Christian is in Luke 10, 27. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and I know you can quote it, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That is the epitome of awesome, because he gave us one rule. You know, somebody said, well, I can't get get it all together because I got this whole big book and I don't know exactly what to do. There's only one thing that we have to do that will take care of everything, and that is to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our soul. What is our soul? It's our affections. It's the things that we want. It's our way. And God wants us to give our way up to him and live his way. And so I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but I got to tell you something that at in one instant we can stand before God. In one instant we cannot be here, but we can stand before God. And we need to be prayed up, built up, powered up. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Whatever we're short of in our spiritual life, we need to bombard heaven for it because this is the hour that we need to be strengthened and empowered for the days ahead. And so God wants us to love him with everything. It's hard to do, church. I like things my way. How about you? Am I the only one that feels that way? You know, I like my space. Now, sometimes God creeps right into our space. This week he creeped into our space. And he wanted to know how much do you trust me? How much will you believe in me? How much will you be an overcomer? Or how much will you have uh, exhortations to give me that are not my plan? You see what I'm saying? So God is speaking to the church today. Now, when we read this, it says, love him with all our soul, with all our wants and our desires. Love him with all our strength. We need to be busy for the kingdom. You know, if we have time, we need to give time to the cause of the kingdom of God. Go out and pass out tracts. Come to the church and do something. But get busy for the kingdom of God. We have to have workers in the harvest. The harvest is ripe. And, you know, we're we're having to um, um, 
merge with other schools because we can't get the work done. And God wants us to rise up and be kingdom workers for because the hour is late and it is upon us. So I want to say to the church today, give us give some strength to the cause of the kingdom. And then it says, with all thy mind, let's talk about our mind. Where does our mind go that it shouldn't go? What does when does our mind fail us because it's not working the way we want it to work? I mean, you know, let's talk about this. What when the enemy comes against our mind, how do we combat it? How do we say, "Get behind me, Satan! You have no rule here. I'm gonna, you know, uh, you're you're, you know, he's lost his head." If you read in the bulletin today, or maybe it was last week, about the snake, they killed the snake. But the snake wiggled and wiggled and wiggled for days before it died. And, you know, the devil has lost his head at Calvary, but he's still wiggling. He's still uh, harassing God's people. And he is not in headship anymore, but he's still wiggling and he's thrashing. And he's saying, how can I harass those people? Because they serve God and they love God and they're faithful to God. And how can I harass them? And he just wiggles and swishes and carries on, you know, like when you take the head off of a chicken. I tell you something, church, his head has been destroyed, but he's still in power because he's still wiggling. But his day is coming. And so God wants us to get our mind in order. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. This is great for devotions this week. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And Philippians 2. For it is God which worketh in you. Do we understand that? And, you know, a few day, a few moments this week, I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? How are you working? You know, we question those things when we should be at full schedule against the works of darkness. We should say this is a work of darkness and God is going to use it for his glory. So it says there, it is the Lord which worketh in you, church. It's not what we do. It's not what you do. It's what God does in you if you will allow him to do it. And it says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You know, some things we do because we are willed to do it and some things we do because we love him. We just raise our hands and we just worship and magnify him because we bring pleasure to him. I think that Christianity is large, has been more about pleasure in the church and pleasure to one another than pleasure to the God of our salvation. What brings pleasure to him? Our worship, our thoughts of him, our living Christ-like church. We have lived in various ways, but God is calling for Christians who's, who's followers of Christ to live like Christ. And remember that the whole world is working for you. I saw a a blessed Christian once. I was coming to the corner, and of course I came too fast. That's my fault. But uh, and 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 all of a sudden they turned toward me, and they were just uh, they were just so upset because I I scared them, you know. But I'm saying to you, church, we have to watch our actions. We ha- we have to pay attention that, that that we do spiritual things in our life. And, you know, my mom used to have the ladies over and they'd be a whole day talking about the Bible and talking about God and talking about what God did in their life. And I would be in the other room and I'd say, them women can talk. <laughs> you know, but then they would talk a little bit and then they would pray a little bit and then they would talk a little bit. And when they ran out of how to pray the talk it, they'd speak in tongues. You know, and then me and my brother, we were always subject 
to tongues being spoke in the house. You know, we don't just speak them in church, church. We speak them when there's an unction of the Spirit in us. We speak them when we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got to feel him to talk to him. So, you know, you have to build up yourself in the Spirit and start to meditate upon him, and he will come forth in power and might. This is the day that Christ's mind must be in us, because if we have, if we have a mind to listen to the things of the enemy, we'll always be discouraged and despondent, and we'll always have bad attitudes. I mean, you know, Christians aren't supposed to have bad attitudes, but, you know, we do get there sometimes. And God is so faithful to forgive us and to nudge us and to tell us when we're lamenting and trying to tell him what to do. Just say, trust me. Do you trust me? Will you trust me in this circumstance? And so the Bible says in Philippians 2, chapter 2 of Philippians is very good, church. Do all things without murmuring. I can probably do all things, but I can't promise it won't be without a little bit of murmuring. Do all things without murmuring. Do it in a, in, a, in a spiritual manner. Lord, I feel like murmuring, but I'm not going to. You know, those kinds of things. The scripture says, do all things without murmuring. And that's so hard for our flesh. And then in Philippians 2, it also says, we are in, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights. That was revelatory. Because we are in a crooked nation. Everything, no matter what side you're on. Don't even be on sides. Just be on God's side. You know, but we are a divided nation. And we are a a corrupt nation. And the more that you hear, the more corruption that we hear. We would have never believed that we're in in the position of the corruption that our country is in today. And that's not just because of this president. There's been corruption all along the way. Because the evil is working against God's nation. And so the corruption is there. So so the Bible says in Corinthians 2.15, we are in, this is the word of God. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights. So if we're fussing with with one side or the other, how can we shine for the kingdom of God? How can we point to either side the glory of God and what God wants to do in our life and in our country and in our nation. So the first thing that we must do after we realize that we have to love him with everything we got, the next thing that we have to do, Matthew six thirty three, you know this, seek you first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, what is all these things? Well, you have to read that sixth chapter of Matthew because he's talking about all the things. And then he gets down to the 33rd verse and he says, okay, after all those things, seek first the kingdom of God. He's talking about the cares of this life, the things that we need. We need, sometimes we have something, but we need more. Sometimes we have something, but we need better. Sometimes we don't even know we need it. And God is, uh, 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 is nudging us to say, you need more of me. Less of that and more of me. So it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Is it better than everybody else? No. His righteousness is what is right. Seek right. Seek the right things. You know, I hear people say, well, I did, I did this, but it's a right thing. 
And I listen to that and I think, okay, I pray to God it is the right thing because God wants us to do the right thing. And we have the knowledge to do the right thing, but will our flesh allow us to do the right thing? So we, we have to study the word of God and God wants us to be right in our actions toward one another and toward the kingdom of God. And then what? All those things that it talks about in that chapter will be added unto us. You know, we're all here. We're clothed nice. We all had four wheels when we got here. God has blessed us. You know, let us see the blessings that God is giving to us and over not let the enemy mess with our mind. And verse 34, I love this. And and I know you know this, but it says, take there, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for itself. And then it says, sufficient to the day is their cares thereof. And here's the problem, church. We take more than sufficient for today. You know, when I, when I saw my girls laying there, I wasn't thinking about just sufficient for the day. I was thinking about all the ramifications that would happen if any of these things went bad. And that's the work of the enemy, to put those evil thoughts in our mind, those negative thoughts in our mind, because God wants us to have a positive spirit, not the positive of the world, but the positive of the power of his word. He wants us to be positive in the word. And so the reason he's saying this to us, because he wants to give us all those things, but he doesn't want those things to be first. He wants those things to be after him, to trust him for those things. And I, I needed to be reminded of that. So there's great devotions in Matthew 6 this week or in the parables because they teach us a very strong lesson. And sometimes even though we're good Christians, strong Christians, you know, the powers of the enemy, the harassment of the enemy, we fall short of the glory of God and we need to bone up on it. So um, let us not detour in the crisis. Let us not detour from the power and the victory that is in God when we go, when things come against us. And there's all kinds of circumstances that come against us. We can live in a negative attitude and we do not please God, church. And I've been told that I'm negative sometimes, but I, I'm sure I am. But I, I want to have an expectation of the victory and the power of God. And whatever God does is perfect, whether it agrees with my expectation or not. And I, and that's how the devil messes with us. He, we see things and we think this is going to be really great, and then that's not really great, and then our expectation is not met, then we have an attitude. And God can't work in that attitude, church. I mean, that's something that Christianity at large needs to correct, is our attitudes, our attitudes toward people. You know, I see somebody on TV and I go like, I don't like them. Is that right? No, that's not right. You know, maybe there's something in us, if we want to think positive, that we sense is wrong there. But instead of saying, I don't like them, we just maybe say, God, take care of this, you know, or God, do something in them. You know, when they preached at John the Baptist, I had that in my sermon, but I didn't have time for it. But when they when John the Baptist was preaching, they had ex, ex, they had expectations of what he was saying, because he was saying, you know, if you trust God, there's going to be uh, uh, great things. But, you know, the, so they had an expectation and maybe this is good, but they didn't they didn't have the, the truth to believe that it was good because they didn't know. And so John had to discern 
what they were thinking. And then he said, whoa, wait a minute. I, I'm I'm a good guy here. I'm preaching to you, but I I tell you in the name of Jesus that somebody's coming better than me, and he's I'm not worthy to even uh, untie his shoes, you know. So they're like thinking, what is all this, you know? And we need to be thinking, what is God doing in our world? Why is this corruption being uh, uh, outed? And why do they want to do all these horrible things to our children and all these things that's going on? Why is that happening? Because God is on the move to take back his country. He is on the move to bring Jesus back. He's on the move. These things are not just happening because the devil is more powerful. These things are happening because God has an earnest expectation to do something powerful in our life. And he's about to unleash the power and the anointing of his spirit in the church like we've never seen before. But we have to want it. We have to desire it. We have to act like we want it. We have to live like we want it. We have to be a witness like we want it. And then we need to expect what God is going to do because we're living the life that he wants us to live. There's an earnest expectation in us that, God, you are in control of this country. This is your country. We are one nation under God, and we are going to trust you in all circumstances, and we're not. We're going to fight against the works of darkness with everything within us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added unto you. We do take thought for tomorrow. You know, and when it says take no thought for tomorrow, that means you're still supposed to pay your bills. You're still supposed to do the right thing. Amen. But the thought is not to be concerned and to worry and to fret and to stew all the things that's coming down the tube. Because, church, there's so much more coming down, wickedness coming down the tube that we don't even know that the that the awful media don't even tell us. They don't tell us what's going on. We don't know what's going on. But God knows what's going on. And God's going to take care of his people. And he took care of his people in the wilderness. He took care of his people against the wicked kings. And he'll take care of us in this hour. And we have to have that earnest expectation. Not, yes, I'm saved. I trust God. Yes, everything's going to be all right. No, no. What is the earnest expectation? We pray, we intercede, we stand our ground against the works of darkness. And when the devil messes with our mind, we say, get out. Instead of what do we say? Oh, really? What else happened? You know, stop that. Say, stop right there, devil. I don't want any part of it. I believe this with all my heart, church. And this week I've had a lot of the tendencies to go every which way. And I understand, trust God. Trust God with your unsaved loved ones. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your body, your life. You know, if you're going through a sickness, a trial, a tribulation, trust God. Because eternal life is the best prize that we can gain. So God wants us to take no thought of those things and to turn to him and, and you know, uh, get our devotions squared away. Get devotions that help you. Sometimes we just read all the lineage and all that, and that's okay. But sometimes we need to just look at the Word of God and say, where can I go that I can find substance for this hour, for this moment, for what's going on right now? I need help now concerning this matter. And God will always meet you, and you can just open your Bible, and he will lead you to a psalm that will encourage you. They said, I was in the pit, but I, I called on the Lord. And maybe you've been in the pit, but you can call upon the Lord. Maybe you were in the whale, 
the nasty old fish and everything is going sour on you. But you can call upon the name of the Lord. And you might get a vomit, but you'll be out and you'll be free because God is with you. And there's no weapon that's going to form against you that's going to prosper. But church, we got to get we got to get de- definitely serious. We have to have an earnest expectation against the works of darkness because the enemy is out to destroy God's people. There's a spiritual warfare raging. Do you know that? Do you know that this is the raging of the works of darkness? That why is he raging? Because he can hardly hang on. He can hardly hang on because his grip is getting looser and looser because God is more powerful than him. And all he can do is switch around. He can't do nothing. He can raise taxes. He can cause uh, all sorts of traumas in our Daily life, groceries are high. Everything abounds. You notice everything is higher, and and we don't get higher wages, but we have higher expenses. And if he wants to mess with us, the best way to mess with us is with our money. You know, because that's where we fear the most. And I know we don't fear, but that's where we're concerned the most is when he starts touching our money. And when you start seeing that the money doesn't go as far as it needs to go. But listen, we don't have to have money if we don't need it because God will provide. I have lived my whole life. I'm 83 and I have lived my whole life by the provision of God. And if I had time to tell you, I could tell you the miraculous things that God has done. And I've told him many times that he fed us with a lunch sack under the pit stop under the bus stop i've told all my stories one time or other so if you've been here long you've heard them all but god is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we know and how no we even know how to ask we don't even know how to ask him how to meet our needs because he is so much more than that i'm kind of wound up today uh, we read the scriptures every time we come into this house before service First of all, that's with purpose. That's earnestness because the word drives out any evil spirit. So we come in here tired from the work days, week, the week, the work, the work week. And we come in here with all sorts of things that has transpired on all the harassments of the devil. And the best thing to do, and here's where I got this. It's from Jeremiah 7th chapter and the second verse. It says, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. And proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. I read that when I first came to pastor here because I was so frightened and so worrisome. I did not know what to do or how to do it. But I read that and I said, I'm going to proclaim the word of God every Sunday when we come into that house so that I can get rid of all that tormenting stuff from the week. And and it has worked. And our children that have sat here and read those words. And we didn't even recognize that, but we were building in them for their future. And so that's why we read the word of God every Sunday. So I, I want us to hear the word of God today because everything I'm saying to you, you know. But there has to become a more earnest expectation of your love for God. A more earnest expectation of your willingness to serve him with all your heart. A more earnest expectation to let his mind be in you instead of all the thoughts that the enemy brings against us. And you can see all of this when you, when you, when you read the parables. You can see what God is saying to us. It, 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 the least you have of him, the less it works. But the more you have of him, the greater it works for you. 
And it's wonderful when you see that expectation that God wants for us. The Bible says his thoughts for us is thoughts of peace and to give us an expected end. When the devil taunts you, you say, I'm sorry, I don't hear that. The Lord has peace for me. He has an expected end. That expected end is eternal life. That expected end is the end to all the things that the enemy brings upon us. So I want to give you this scripture, and I know you know it, but I'm going to give it to you in closing this morning. <coughs> Get out, devil. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13, it says, The thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. When have you thought about what he thinks of you? What his expectation is of you as a born-again believer? What is his expectation of us that he would let his son die for us? His expectations must be high. The thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, they're thoughts, they're expectations. I see that so clearly. They're expectations, you know, that he has peace for us. He doesn't have evil for us. The evil that comes towards us is a harassment of the enemy. But he wants to give us an expected end. He wants us to be conquerors, overcomers, and have an expected end. And the scripture says, you know, we can call upon him, we can pray to him, and he will hearken to us. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye have searched for me with all your heart. There can be no half search if there's a half search you may not find him it has to be an expectation and it has to be an earnest desire to want him more than what you want in your own life second corinthians 121 says christ has established us when we come to him he establishes us We don't have to take this from the devil. He establishes us. The word of God says it. And he anoints us. It's all in this passage of scripture. And he seals us. The earnest of his spirit. There's the next three or four scriptures in here. Every one of them talks about the earnest of the spirit. So I just want to give you a a, a little bit of work for this week. Why don't you look up in your text the word earnest? And why don't you see the things that God earnestly does for you? You know, we are, we are, we are, we're in a, a volume today, a volume today, that we, we know we're born again. We know we're on the way to heaven. We know God loves us. We know all the right things. But we have to have an earnest expectation, meet the earnest expectation of the Father, to love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, you know, and to love him with everything and all circumstances of our life. That always boggles my mind that he asks us to love him in all circumstances of our life. Hebrews 2.1 Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time they should slip. And I want to say to the church this morning that that's the work of the enemy is to cause our expectation to slip. That we won't be as expecting to serve God with our whole heart. You know, that's caused me to evaluate myself. 
We have to evaluate ourselves, church. Where are we spiritually? How strong are we? How earnest are we? How much do we depend upon God? You know, instead of seeing my daughters dying, I needed to see them right then with an expected end. God has an expected end for everybody. You know, and I just had my my annual fellowship with my family. They got it. I told them, I said, I love you. There was a whole bunch there today. I can't, I don't even remember their names. We have so many children, don't we? We have so many families. I mean, there must have been 50 people there and new babies everywhere. I say, boy, God is blessing this house. <laughs> and um, I, I, I said to them, I, I, I love you. I love every one of you. And I love Jesus. You know, and I pray that that you will come to that place. If we don't share the gospel with them, where are they going to get it? Of course, they expect it, you know, because I always give it to them. And so they're just really patient and nice. And I, they probably pray that I get it over with quick. <laughs> but God is good. He is a faithful God no matter the crisis, no matter the circumstance. And the next time you have a hard thing in your life, hear the voice of the Lord. Trust me. Trust him with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I love this house. I love this people, oh God. I love the manifestation of your presence in the midst of crisis. I just love everything about you. And I pray, Lord, that the word of God will go deep in our hearts. Lord, these are passages of scripture that we know well. The Father, we might have an earnest interest in them, O God, that we might fulfill the earnestness that you desire of us, O God. For this we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Bring your tithe and offerings to the Lord today.